Good afternoon, everyone. How are you? Good afternoon. It's really great to be here this morning. And it's very genuine when I say that, because look around this room. Look at the cultural diversity. It's amazing. When I graduated from university in Nigeria and came to this beautiful city of London, if I'm honest, I wasn't ready to be in a diverse church. So I went to my comfort zone and went to a predominantly Nigerian church. And that's what I needed for that time. That church was brilliant for me. They loved me. They helped me to grow in my Christian faith. And I understood the style of worship there, and I really fit in. Later on, when I had my own family, we were introduced to the Church of England, and that was equally brilliant. And there's a picture coming up of my family, hopefully. Yeah, that's my family, my husband Ayo, my daughter Shindara, and Shenny, my son, were at a wedding in Wales. And um, that Church of England that we, we went to was really good. It showed us how to do church in your community. But there we were definitely a minority. And that was okay, you get used to that kind of thing. But when we walked into HTB seven years ago, it was like finding the very thing that we were looking for. It was a midway point between a comfort zone and sticking out like a sore thumb. That's the beauty of diversity. It challenges you and empowers you at the same time. Now looking at this room today, it gives me so much joy because it is even more diverse than seven years ago. This room looks a bit like the city of London, one of the most culturally diverse cities in the world. Liz Foslian, who is a leadership coach and author, says that diversity is having a seat at the table, inclusion is having a voice at that table, and belonging is having that voice heard. So how can we go even further as a church? How can we become the kind of church where everyone has a sense of belonging? Today, I'd love to talk to you about how we can go from giving others a seat at the table to having their voices heard and move us to an even deeper level of collaboration for the good of us all. So I've titled this talk, The Merciful Church, because a lot of people have shown me mercy in my life and I believe the posture of mercy is what can help us as a church make that leap. And the story I'd like to share from the Bible is a popular one and one of my favorites. It's taken from Luke 10, 25 to 37, and it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. There are Bibles dotted around uh, the room at the back of your chairs, but of course, the words will come up on the screen. Luke 10, 25 to 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, where he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. 
a priest happened to be coming down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. One of the reasons I want to share this story is to highlight and celebrate the one who Jesus celebrates in this story, the one who showed mercy. There are three postures of mercy this good Samaritan adopts that I believe will help us to become better neighbors and more pressingly, have a more diverse group of neighbors. Because you see, in those days, Jews and Samaritans did not associate. By praising the Samaritan, Jesus was showing that someone very different from you could be your neighbor and that we shouldn't judge people based on where they are from. This Samaritan, Jesus said, was the good guy in this story because he showed mercy and we should be like him. The first posture of mercy I'd like to offer us today is to go where the other is. The story says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. He didn't stand afar and walk past, or even worse, pretend as if he was interested, but never actually go near enough to make a difference. I can't count how many times I haven't moved close enough to someone to get to know them. I was born here in London to a Nigerian dad and a Jamaican mom. That means I had the privilege of having jollof rice and rice and peas in my home. My parents met here in London in the 60s when my dad was studying to be an accountant and my mom was getting her nursing degree. She had been sent for from Jamaica by her parents who had been living in the UK for just about three years. My mom and dad fell in love and they got married in 1966 and they had three daughters before they set off for Nigeria. There should be a picture, yeah, that's us. A day before we go to Nigeria. Which one do you think I am? Yeah, that one. The trick is, I'm always by my dad. So that's me. And then my other sisters, my sisters, my mom and my dad. And this is a day before we moved to Nigeria. We just wanted to capture that moment before we made the trip. I had a great time in Nigeria, playing outside, climbing trees, making friends, and reading copious amounts of Enid Blyton's Mallory Towers and St. Clair's. How many people have seen that, have read those? Excellent. So I read them over and over again. So it was with great joy when I progressed through primary school, it, I got admission into a very good boarding school for girls. Soon after that announcement, I was walking on the street with my sister, and I saw a classmate of mine from primary school. She was selling oranges by the roadside. I screamed her name in delight and ran to her. She wasn't too impressed, but I didn't care. I told her about the secondary school I was going to and asked her what school she was going to. 
And her reply to me has never left me. And it's really the basis of the novels that I write. She said to me, I am not going to secondary school. My parents cannot afford it. I'm going to be doing this, selling oranges. And I've never really recovered from that statement. How can somebody as brilliant as that not go to secondary school? How come I didn't know that this girl could not afford an education? I had played several games with her in the playground at school every day. I had played Tente. Any Nigerians play Tente? Come on now, yes. And we had played this game every day. But still, I had never invited her to my birthday parties and I had never gone to see her after school. I began to wonder why. How come I never got to know her? I couldn't do anything about that particular injustice because I hadn't moved close enough to be in a position to do anything. Not so with the Good Samaritan. He wasn't there for just fun and games. He went over to where the man was and got himself acquainted with someone that was very different from him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Now in the pandemic, the Love Your Neighbor campaign here at HTB, along with several churches across the UK, drew close and didn't run away from those who needed help. They gave out bags of kindness to those in need. And I remember on the Dalgano estate, a couple of volunteers tell the story of a lady who said that those bags of kindness they handed her would be the only gift she would receive that Christmas. If they hadn't turned up, she would have received nothing. I think of Pharaoh and Dorcas, my friends at the 10.30 at Onzo Square, who cross over to the other side of the street to visit the prisons. These kind people have mercy because they understand that we are all part of a universal neighborhood. Whether black or white, male or female, rich or poor, we are all made in the image of God and in need of a savior. They go where the other is. But what do we do when we get to where the other is? Is it enough to go there and just bind up their wounds? The good Samaritan takes his mercy up a notch. The second posture of mercy I'd love to offer us today is to make space for the other. Think about it. This Samaritan must have been on a journey of his own. I know how I behave when I'm interrupted or my plans are disrupted even by a loved one much less a stranger on the side of the streets. This Samaritan gives up his own journey for a while and journeys with this stranger. The thing that most impresses me about this story is that it says, then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. This man gets off his donkey and lets the injured man take his privileged position. When I came to this country in 1999, I was straight out of university. My dad asked me whether I wanted to stay in Nigeria or go to London. My sister was already here and she said she'd happily house me and so I chose to come here. My dad gave me a whopping 70 pounds to make the trip. And um, even in 1999, that wasn't very much. But as if that wasn't bad enough, he said that the 50 pounds was for my sister you know, for the inconvenience. <laughs> so I had no choice. I went to the job center straight away. My first job was in sales. I had to cold call people and sell them holiday packages. 
I didn't like it very much. In the first month, someone swore at me and a tear trickled down my face. I knew in my heart this job wasn't for me. God bless my sister's fiance, who's now her husband. He came home one day with a civil service application. And so I did the exams and I, off, I was offered a choice of three government departments to choose from. And if I'm honest, there's no deep reason why I chose the one I chose. I thought of my father, my Nigerian father, and I thought I'd choose the one that he would be most proud of. So I joined the Department of Trade and Industry six months after arriving in the UK. I had to start at the lowest position because I wasn't computer literate. I didn't know what an email was. And so I worked really hard, and after about four years, I became a manager. But then I got stuck and hit a ceiling, and I couldn't get to senior management. My boss, let's call him Bob, he told me that I just wasn't senior management material and that I wasn't ready. But I looked in his eye and I saw that he had built a concrete ceiling over my head and that he would never promote me. So I moved parallelly to another managerial position. And in this job, I had a wonderful boss called Eve. Eve was very different from Bob. Eve made space for me. She took me to her own meetings and let me in on some very senior conversations. Just by being around her, I expanded my network and grew in the department. Eve took it one step further. When she went on a three-month training course, she didn't employ a temporary replacement. She told everybody that Sabine was capable of doing everything that she did. Eve got off her donkey and let me take her place. I took all that I had learned from Eve and I made sure I did that job as well as Eve would have done. And when I left that job, it was to become a senior program manager. Eve had mercy on me. People say that Eve saw something in me, but I believe Eve saw something in herself. She knew she had a bit more to give. Mercy says more about the giver than the receiver. I wonder if there's anyone in your life in your workplace, on your journey that you can make space for today. Maybe you run a business and you could employ someone who doesn't look like you, someone with potential but no experience, a young person maybe, who could do with a little help from a merciful person. And that's the third posture of mercy the Good Samaritan takes that I want to recommend to us today. Go and get some help. This journey of mercy that Jesus celebrates is not for you to do it by yourself. Once you've gone to the place where the other is and you've made space for them, it's time to get the help of the people in your network. That's what the Good Samaritan did. After acquainting himself with the need and caring for the man himself, he joins forces with the innkeeper, who probably had more skills in this area of care. Jesus I believe, highlights this for a reason. Because he wants us to go out and enlist the help of our very useful network. A few weeks ago, here at the 5 p.m. service, my friend Peace, who's also training to be a priest, hosted Workplaced. It's a place where people from different industries put their minds together to talk about how they can be more generous with their resources. They come up with ways they can collaborate with charities and government to give back to their communities. Imagine if everyone in this room connected someone in need 
with a person in their network who could meet that need. Maybe in 2023, that's what revival looks like. The church expanding through collaboration and compassion. And when the world sees the way we show mercy to one another, maybe they'll want to know the reason for our hope. I didn't do very well with the girl who couldn't go to secondary school when I was younger. But with the help of the Book Trust, we have sent Jumi at the River School to 2,100 children in care. It's my hope that these stories, when they read these stories, these precious children know that there are people out there with soft, merciful hearts. When I visit primary schools, I try to tell children who look like me and those that don't look like me that they can do something about uh, racial injustice and any kind of injustice in their world. They can start where they are, with soft, merciful hearts, and walk to the other side of the road and make space for other people. They don't have to do it alone. They can get a little help from their friends. I know you might be feeling that you have barely enough for yourself, let alone to make space for someone else. Or you might be hurting yourself. You might remember a time when nobody showed you mercy. But there is one who is greater than the good Samaritan. And he has had mercy on us all. His name is Jesus. And he is the most valuable person in this story. He is the one that we should be celebrating. He went on to show the ultimate level of mercy to you and to me. He came to where we were, hurting, robbed, and left for dead at the side of the road. He made space for us at the cross, where he died for our sins, and he's given us his Holy Spirit to help us on our way. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we too can show others the mercy that Jesus has shown us. And we can go out and revitalize the church, evangelize the nations, and transform our society. Can I pray for us? Heavenly Lord, we just...